Welcome to the Consortium Podcast, an academic audio blog of Kepler Education. Kepler is a consortium of independent classical Christian teachers unified by a shared vision for student flourishing. Hello, I'm Scott Postma, your host, and I'm joined by Joffrey Swade, our co-host and our academic advisor. And today, Joffrey, we're going to be exploring some topics here and talking about online education and the idea of a university. And so the question I want to raise today and get your thoughts on, is online education the new site of the old university? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to getting into that question. Um, and uh, I assure the audience that I'm not dodging uh, the question <laughs> yet. Um, but I, I just want to want to tell everyone who's tuning in that this is highly relevant uh, to you, high school students, to you parents of high school students, because what our, our primary angle of approaching the idea of the university in this episode um, is by thinking about the community right. of the university, right? So it's not necessarily, am I taking college classes? The question is, uh, the the idea of a university as a place where uh, great intellectuals, academics, um, and students who are dedicated to improving themselves and learning uh, deeply and richly from the font and the community that that creates, that's our focus, the community that that creates. That's really, you know, the point of a university, right, is that it's going beyond the books that's right. into true education. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's what we'll be exploring. So this this is relevant to everyone who's listening right now. <laughs> Very much so. And um, we're going to explore some of the aspects of this community life of education um, around the changing environment of education. Right. You know, so there's a, a big movement and, and we see, we've seen a, um, a surge in that movement. I think this movement existed before the COVID crisis. Uh, but COVID, I think in many ways, um, highlighted or exploited some of the fractures in the educational, modern educational systems yes. and in some of the avenues that we need to actually consider. And, and I know that probably some of our audience, um, might be um, concerned about online education and um, and may even in some ways be a little bit ambivalent to whether or not this is going to be, you know, the future. Is this is the passing phase? Right. You know, is it good or bad or, you know, does it have all the qualities of an embodied education? Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, it's been interesting for us, you know, as Kepler is, is um, passing through its first year now. Um, to see, you know, we both educated online in the past. Right. Um, and so we were both aware of a lot of the benefits that online education brings and also aware of its limitations. Um, and, and I think that one of the things that we've seen is that a broader audience is now aware of the benefits. Sure. Right. I think because it was something that, that a lot of people um, hadn't been forced to think about in depth. Uh, there was sort of an automatic reaction of, well, online education is a poor man's version of a real education. Right. right? Exactly. I mean, it's, uh, there's, uh, there's no way I can get this particular thing. So I guess we have to take it online. Right. And we're under no illusions about the limitations of online education. Um, but I think that, that now there's a broader base of people and a broader base of Christians who are taking control of their family's education who realize how many doors can be opened. Now, one of the topics for today is going to be 
can the door to true community, to a true university experience, to true conversations with professors be a part of online education? I think that's a really good place to go. And I think um, before we kind of define the university and, and get into the more academic part of it, um, a little anecdotal um, mm. experience here. I remember the very first distance learning class I took uh, back, I think, um, would have been the very early 90s. And maybe it was 1990, you know, yeah. the first uh, college class I took online. And literally, you would listen to cassette tapes, uh, lectures, and fill out workbooks, and then snail mail them back to the professor. Right. Okay. And so there is a legitimate reason why a lot of people looked at it the way you just talked about it, kind of like Vanity Press, like back in the day before self-publishing was really big. You know, if you couldn't get a publisher to publish your book and you self-published, it was, you know, the Vanity Press. Right. Secondary. Right. And but but online education is obviously or distance learning or however people put it um, has really morphed. Um, significantly where we have now platforms that allow for the community aspect that you would actually have in a classroom, um, you know, that you did not have back in 1990. And sometimes even better. So I know we're about to get into, uh, into some quotes and some thoughts about what the university is, but let's even think about the campus experience, right? right. The ideal of a campus uh, being set up as a place of scole. Yes. Right. As a, as a garden, um, as a place where um, you can have communion, conversation, meditation, um, just a bit of leisure. Yep. Um, th that's not present in most university campuses these days. Right. No. There are little pockets where you can tell, oh, they built this 150 years ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but most, I mean, I think about my experience at the University of Florida and at the humanities department being in Turlington Hall. Uh, and what a monstrosity of architecture that was and what a warren of hallways, what an intimidating, unwelcoming and cold place. Um, no, no leisure at all. Right. Right. And so, well, <laughs> uh, what do we need to have that leisure? The human element is the most important. Architecture and landscape architecture is important, right? But but that that human element is what is important. And where are you going to find those humans? Yes, and that's that's the key. So the the ancient universities or the the original idea of the university, um, the the very architecture, the campus was built in such a way, created like you said, a garden. Where from any direction you approached it, it was, you know, grass and trees and, and, and a sort of uh, paradise that, that said to you as you entered the campus, this is a place of leisure, you could not build homes or roads or, you know, right. uh, industrials, you know, these were segmented off so that it couldn't be. But today, you know, you've got, you know, dorm structures and, and um, athletic um, complexes like, you know, climbing walls and you have uh, safe spaces and yeah. you, know, you, you have all sorts of things that just do not qualify as the original idea of the university. Oh, absolutely. And it's been going on for a while. I mean, you know, we, we can, we can read, uh, people bemoaning the encroachment of modern life onto college campuses, um, you know, more than a hundred years ago. Yep. And, you know, if safe spaces um, are a little newer than uh, some of our audiences, we're like, uh, I, I went to college in the, in the mid to late nineties. Um, and you know, there were the embry embryonic forms of that, but you know, that kind of predates my time. Well, just think back to the, chemistry class you knew of that had 2000 people in it. Right. Right. Or, or even like just, you know, composition 101 having 40 students in it, 
you know, at, when do you get to, do you mean I have to be studying for my doctorate to actually get to, you know, relax with a professor and talk about this book in depth? Yes. Yep. Right. That's how, that's how it's been set up. So even when it's not ridiculous and we can laugh at all the woke stuff, um, the dehumanization of education has been going on for a long time. Yeah. And so that brings back to the question, where are we going to find the humans? Where do we find the kind of inter interaction that we can have with others in the leisurely setting that, um, you know, Scole provides? And so while maybe online seems to be a modern, you know, invention and technology in itself, maybe this is the place where, um, you know, where we can go to, you know, to meet and, and have these kinds of conversations if it's used appropriately. Right. So, yeah. Well, um, I, I want to riff a little bit off of, uh, we're not going to discuss the entire book, um, but there's a great little book that uh, the idea of the university uh, by uh, Cardinal John Henry Newman, and many of our listeners may be familiar with it. And if you've never read it, I would highly recommend it. Um, it's it's just a great um, tool to to help us to rethink about what the university is supposed to be, but but in it, the quote he says a university seems to be in its essence a place for the communication and the circulation of thought by means of personal intercourse through a wide extent of country. Mm. So the idea of the university, he goes on and explains, is there are certain things that you can get from books, right? And we know that part of education is, you know, is a lot of reading. But there's an aspect of, of um, education that has to come from the oral communication, the yes. dialogue that well, takes place. And that, that really touches on, on something that we've brought up more than once, which is in thinking of education as formation Right. right, the formation of humans. We've connected education to raising your children, which is why ultimately and principally, uh, the education of, of of children is a responsibility of the family. Right, right. It, you know, we we understand that, but then we also understand that as they grow into young men and women, more and more, uh, we want to to put them at the feet of of people who can shape them further, where we'd like them to go, where they want to go. Right. Yes. And all, all, of course, to the glory of God. And, and so this means that you want to be trusting your children to, the same way you have been teaching them good manners. Yes. These men and women will teach them good manners, too. That's right. Yes. It, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So you, you, you want to be able to, to put them in contact, in conversation, you know, with the kinds of people that you would want them to, um, you know, to learn from. So a couple of other quotes that go uh, along with what you're saying, he says, mutual education in a large sense of the word is one of the great and incessant occupations of human society carried on partly with set purpose and partly not. One generation forms another, and the existing generation is ever acting and reacting upon itself in the persons of its individual members. So the first aspect, before we talk about, you know, kind of uh, fill in what you were just saying, the first part of it is that mutual education is a human necessity, right? We, right. we know that, you know, going back to Aristotle, um, what separates us from the animals is we desire to know, right? And how do you know that every human being desires to know? Because we love the senses, right? All of us love to go sightseeing. We like to use our eyes. There's something about being blindfolded or being blinded that makes you 
you know, you feel very uncomfortable. Right. Right. But we also like to taste good food and good wine and we like to listen to good music and we, you know, so our senses are always, you know, being occupied. So mutual education comes when when we are engaged with the masters of a particular topic and we're actually having conversations where we are asking questions, we are learning, we're engaged in this dialogue, but we're doing so with people, not just anyone, but people who are the masters, people who are the scholars, and people who embody the values and, and the qualities that we want our, our children to pick up on. Right? right. So he says in another place, um, he said, this is, this is great. He says that um, this fact is undeniable. The general principles of any study you may learn by books at home, but the detail, the color, the tone, the air, the life, which makes it uh, live uh, in us, you must catch all these from those in whom it lives already. The detail, the color, the air, the tone, the life. That's yeah. great. Because, you know, <laughs> and it's you know, so interesting that that little litany there starts with, with detail. It's like, well, okay, I can just study harder. No, no, no. The color, the tone, the life. You know, this, this book needs to come to life for you. And the best way for that to happen, especially as you experience the breadth of your education, is by having conversations. That's right. Yes. So conversations with the kinds of people who embody those qualities you want them to have and, right. and who, who have an, an understanding, the masters and, um, and, and scholars in that area. And, and so when a, a parent, for example, is going to send their child to the university um, or they recommend a university, we want to be very thoughtful about you know, where they're going, not just what is the job that they're going to be able to get if they get this particular degree. Exactly. Um, we, we want them to, to be under the influence and counsel of those who embody the values that we hold dear. Right. Right. And this is, I think is, is the plight of many of the modern, you know, Christian families who their kids grow up being homeschooled or they go to Christian school and they send them off to university to be an engineer that they want. And then they leave the faith or their, you know, that's undermined or their values or, you know, uh, moral values are undermined. And we wonder what, where did we go wrong? What yeah. happened? And, you know, it, it's sometimes there is a conspiracy on the part of the, uh, of the secular academy, but really it's not, it's, it's not a conspiracy. Uh, and what I mean by that is there, you know, usually certainly not in engineering there's not a bunch of engineering professors thinking about how they can destroy your right. your, your child's <laughs> faith but yeah and neither they nor your child perhaps are thinking i'm going to this school so i can be like those men mm -hmm. but that's such a natural and really appropriate part of education that is still kind of happens, yes. right? The students and the professors both instinctively kind of want that. And so that's, that is, that is what, what happens so often, right? The, 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 the Christian student uh, begins to imitate the lives of these masters of the, of the stuff that they're interested in. Exactly. And, and that's exactly what Newman is saying. That's exactly what Aristotle is saying in terms of our desire to know and to emulate, to imitate even, right. you know, um, from, from childhood, that's how how children learn. Um, I, you know, when I went to um, first to Bible college before I went to seminary, um, it was really interesting to me that um, the preacher we called the preacher boys. You know, the preacher boys would um, often 
sound like you know their first year out of the in the in the pool yeah. they would sound just <laughs> like their homiletics teacher or just like their pastor or whoever they were, right. they were learning to preach from because they're emulating what they what they learned they they would preach in the same style yeah. that you know uh sometimes they would even pick up little you know idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. you know the way they cleared their throat or or the way they said certain <laughs> words yeah but i think it's just natural yes know? of course and it's uh, honestly it's not just natural it's to be embraced yes we right. need to be intentional about and so igno- ignoring that aspect of education has actually put us in peril. Right. Absolutely. Well, here's another great quote um, along these lines. And and I love what he says here. He says, all that goes to constitute a gentleman, the carriage, the gait, address, gestures, voice, the ease, the self-possession, the courtesy, the power of conversing, the talent of not offending, (laughs) the lofty principle, the delicacy of thought, the happiness of expression, the taste and propriety, the generosity and forbearance, the candor and consideration, the openness of hand. These qualities, some of them come by nature. Some of them may be found in any rank. Some of them are a direct precept of Christianity, but the full assemblage of them bound up in the unity of an individual character. Do we expect they can be learned from books? Mm. And no, you know, that's, that's the obvious answer. The rhetorical answer there is, is no, because we see how people learn, you know, to emulate the kinds of people that, you know, whether we're intentional about it or not, they'll emulate emulate the masters that they're sitting under. Yeah. I mean, you know, to really uh, go with an undue double entendre here, um, the books create the universe yes. within which these conversations happen, right? right? Where the formation happens and without that universe you, you couldn't actually have that formation correct but the books are not the thing that form right it's it's very difficult and you actually get some some pretty odd results when it's just you and some books it's the same thing when we think about um how we approach scripture mm-hmm. right and and our lives as christians and our lives in the church it's not healthy to read your bible by yourself. And that's the only interaction you have with God's word. It needs to happen in the context of the church and it needs to happen under teachers. And you may grow yourself into a teacher of God's word. Right. Um, but that without that community and without that context, then, you know, without, without the church and the creeds, you're subject to, well, all sorts of wild variation and <laughs> misinterpretations and being misled by your own heart. Um, and that's the greatest uh, example of how that kind of thing can happen, but that can happen with Homer or with Moby Dick. It can. Right. Well, and one of the the great things that Newman points out about books, you know, books are born out of a conversation or oral tradition that had already taken place. Yes. And so books exist as the record of the result of that conversation, mm-hmm. right? And so when we read the books, we're picking up on the conversation, but when we actually engage in the conversation, we enter into the conversation with the tone and, you know, the color and all the things that we, we had talked about, you know, before. Right. So thinking about the books as the record, that's, they're important and, and they are, they're, you know, they're fundamental, they're vital, all of that. So we're not dismissing that, but it, an education has to be more than that. And that's the idea of a university, right? Yeah. So where people can commune together. So maybe the next question then is, um, given 
the nature. I'm, I'm going to raise this to you, and, and, and I don't know how you're going to answer this, actually. Okay. <laughs> wow, how exciting. Um, <laughs> I put you right on the spot. Um, and, and so this is something I've been thinking about, and, and maybe it seems, you know, for someone who is very pro-online education, obviously in, in, involved in, in furthering this, um, but one of the questions I have is, as we're watching the demise of the university, mm. as we just described it, right? What, yes. what was once the university is no longer. Maybe in a few pockets, there may be still a few institutions that still practice this. But by and large, any state university, Bohemoth State University, is not going to be the kind of university that, say, Newman would have described right. here in this book. Okay. Um, so as we're watching the demise... Could online, even though this is a recent technology, even though this is a sort of modern concept, even mm. though it is not a fully embodied experience and we recognize that there are some limitations, could the online education aspect be a place for the new university until that other crumbles and the university could be reestablished or maybe we even develop the technology and use it better? What do you think about that? I, I think the answer is absolutely yes, but I, I think certain things need to be clarified mm -hmm. uh, in order to give that that absolutely yes. So, you know, I think that one thing to bear in mind, and I think you know, for homeschoolers, uh, this this will be, will be pretty easy to process, is that we ought to embrace hybridization, mm -hmm. uh, particularly when we're in times of transition. It's not necessarily that we just move everything online until we can, you know, as Christians build enough colleges. Uh, but right, you know, there are a lot of good universities, a lot of good colleges out there, Christian humanities schools, New St. Andrews comes to mind. Um, I recently discovered that, uh, you, know, you know, so when they were founded recitation at New St. Andrews was, um, held in professors' homes. Hmm. When I was was at New St. Andrews, that was not the case. Well, they've gotten bigger, uh, but they've also gotten more self like more self aware and self conscious in a good way of of being uh, a liberal arts college. The recitations are the professors' home. Wonderful, you know, which wow. is very That's cool. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that. Too, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, you know, th there's there's good stuff happening in brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, all over the country and small expressions here and there. And I encourage uh, Christian families to, to, to think about sending their kids to those places. There may be a good professor at the history department of state university, um, but he doesn't have the structure right. to, to give your, your children a university experience. Um, but anyway, so moving to more directly address the question. I think that the key is to understand how on true online interaction can work mm -hmm. uh, because i think we we all we all get that the there are tools which enable us to communicate with anybody sure right <laughs> but that's not the same thing as community even if you get like the, the author you've always wanted to talk to starts answering emails and you get to have a whole conversation back and forth that's very cool but that's still not community that's still not conversation right. the university experience but I do think that uh, we are, we're going to begin to see more and more and Kepler has been, has tried to be conscious of this um, as we start to implement our vision. Uh, but we're going to see more and more communities that establish themselves as communities, okay. right? Well, there's, there's a name recognition or people, you know, we, we know what these folks are about. Right. Um, and so then you go to that community 
online, like whatever their platform or platforms may be, there are two or three or five or six or 14 or 15 humans behind it. And those humans are having conversations with each other and they're bringing more and more people in that creates a collegial atmosphere. Right. Right. Um, not just the ability to talk to thousands of people or to talk to anyone I want to, that's not a community. But there are people who are being intentional about talking to each other focused in a certain universe, right? And with that, you can have, you can have the university experience. Now, this, this is not at all university experience. Um, but as you're just talking, I think of in a microcosm things like Facebook groups, yeah. right, where people around a certain idea, like my wife is part of like this North Idaho, you know, homesteaders group or whatever. Uh -huh. And they're asking questions and they're, they're having conversations about a particular topic and, you know, and people start to know each other after a while if they're really engaged. Other people are not so much. So I, I don't think that fully embraces everything that you were just no, talking yeah. about in community. But it does give us a little bit of a microcosm, a picture of how communities can be formed. Yes. And, and, and I think that, that we all have glimpses of it online, right? Because, you know, we, we as human beings tend to want to, to form community. Um, but it has to be about more than just a, a shared interest, mm -hmm. right? Um, even when you're talking, you know, in physical, presential you know, uh, sort of interactions. If there's a enthusiasts for French poetry club in your town, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a collegial or university type of atmosphere. I did the very first uh, Newman uh, quote that you read uh, ha had something in there that made me think, and maybe you can bring it back up, but made me think about the breadth of education. And so I think that, that, it's important when, when you're establishing a university sort of atmosphere to have uh, this idea of breadth. Of course, like if you if you and I um, were, were were leading uh, something like that, we would express ourselves in very different ways and have very different areas of expertise, mm -hmm. right? But we would be existing in the same broad universe. And I think that's that it's it's not about a special interest. It's about we are men existing in God's cosmos and wanting to explore that cosmos with other people. Well, that's really interesting because what what you just talked about in the French poetry example, you know, in a community. So whether you're online or embodied, we can actually have a shared interest group that is not a community, right? right? And so it's not really whether it's online or not. What is community has to be intentional about building that yes. uh, with with the breadth of expertise and the collegial you know atmosphere has to be intentionally done. Right. right. And there are such you know th there mm -hmm. are groups of people out there like that. Yeah. Right. Well, the quote I think you're looking for, he says, a university seems to be in its essence a place for the communication and circulation of thought by means of personal intercourse through a wide extent of country. That's exactly right. And yeah. that, that, right, the country there is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is the, is the universe, yeah, right? This is the length and breadth of whatever, it, you know, of, of what we're looking at and what we're studying. And, you know, so it, it needs, you know, it needs to be natural philosophy, not just chemistry or astronomy, exactly. right? Exactly. Well, I want to circle back to something you said at the beginning of that great, um, uh, description you just gave, but you said that while we're in times of transition, it would be important that we think hybrid, 
right? Right. So there are, and, and especially for homeschool families who might use an online experience, you know, an online class or, or teacher. So you can have a hybrid experience where you're building community with the online folks, but then the community in your own house, um, you know, with your family, given the fact that we don't know where everything's going. We don't know in this kind of upheaval time right. of upheaval. We don't know where it's all going. So having a foot in both places is a really good idea. Um, but then at the same time, we need to be intentional about wherever we're at, whatever foot we're leaning on at the time, we need to be intentional about building the community. Yes. And and I don't want to be uh, you know, a shameless plug for Kepler Life here. Um, Do it, Scott. But but I <laughs> I and I wrote, I think, in uh the uh, the last eccentric in the in the letter, um talked about the fact that one of the things that really delighted me um, is the way that you've been very intentional mm. and some of the students and families, you know, have participated in being very intentional about building community um, at Kepler because we're, we're online. It's not going to be natural. And yet this is really the community there is really growing organically parents and students involved, not just in their classroom, but, you know, in various clubs and in, in, in student government, but also just um, engaging ideas and in, in, in talking about different ideas outside of class, things that they're learning in class, but then they're just organically, you know, communing. Um, and then as we think of conferences and we're leaving, you've got families literally saying, hey, we'd like to, you know, connect and, and get together. So there's a sort of organic community that's building that is this broader than just here, take this online course, right. you know, and there's a shared interest or, or we have a need that needs to be met, but we're actually building this sort of university. Idea. Yes. Yeah. Well, and if we think in terms of platforms, which isn't necessarily a helpful thing about the university model, but let's think about platforms for a second. You know, families are going to use different platforms and different tools mm -hmm. in different ways, which again is, is, is part of the hybridization idea. And it may be, so it's important that you give uh, your child, and we're including high school and junior high students in this, right. a university style experience. Yes. Um, and it may be that in your particular case, the way that primarily expresses itself is in the excellent co-op that you have in town, right? Yes. And then you're supplementing that, oh, here's a class from Kepler that, you know, we're, we, we, we need to fill this in. So that's what we're doing. Or it may be that, that Kepler is the primary way you find that university experience with our recitations and our great teachers. Um, and you're supplementing with a couple of other things that are near to hand wherever you live. Um, regardless of how, of how it happens, there needs to be that engagement and that commitment to give a university style education to your mm -hmm. family. We're big believers in that. Um, but you know, so like on, on Kepler life, there are different degrees of engagement. Mm -hmm. And, and our hope is that that engagement is, is, is whatever is appropriate for that child in their broader context, because ultimately the, the, the core educational community is the family. Yes. Right. right. Um, and then as, as the child grows out into the world, they're growing more and more into the university. And then from the university out to be fully a man, fully a woman. Fully, <laughs> fully engaged <laughs> in that great cosmos. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. A man in full, a woman in full. Yes. Uh, well, so one of the things that I'm hearing you say, um, and, and you've, you've alluded to it a couple of times is in many ways, then we think of the online platform as a tool 
for building the university community, right? Yeah. This this place where where a thought can be circulated, a personal intercourse is taking place, and it it embraces the full extent of of, of the country. So all of that is happening um, in you know. So university is an idea. It's an idea of of building community, a collegiate community around you know education, this right. mutual education. Now, one of the um, uh, you know, earlier things we said was, you know, there is, we realize that there are limitations in online. Okay. And maybe that sounds a little, uh, counterintuitive given that we're an online, you know, education company that maybe that people would get the idea that, um, why would you be saying that you wouldn't, you want to sell it, you know, full on, but I've taught both in the classroom. Um, I've, I've been in education for about 25 years, um, in, in starting schools, brick and mortar schools, teaching online, online, uh, education. And, um, I love being with the students and there is certainly something gained, um, in an embodied experience, right? Yeah. But one of the things that I have found is unless the families and the students um, have the idea of the university, like that that's the culture driving why they come to the brick and mortar school. Right. If that's not there, if that's not being cultivated and it takes a while, for example, one of the schools we started in Las Vegas, you know, the very community, the, the, the place where the, the school existed was a community of isolation. Mm. Right. So everyone uh, lived in gated communities, brick walls, and they would drive into their garage. And you may literally, this is not an exaggeration, live next door to somebody for 10 years and never know your neighbor. Right. So to bring students in and try to create that community, you know, the parents are saying, why? You know, just teach give us the information. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just teach the math and let us get out of here. Um, And and so this idea of whether it's um, it's embodied or online, it has to be intentional. And so while online may have a little bit of the limitations, um, I would honestly say that at least 90% of what you get in the embodied experience in a classroom done well online, you gain that. And if you don't have that to, to avail yourself of where you live, you know, um, and, and actually have that kind of intentional community, then you have 0%. Yes. Well, and, you know, we've been talking about, you know, I want to emphasize again, we are thinking of junior high and high school students, right? We keep saying university and college, but that's who we're thinking of principally. Yeah. So let me just state that really clearly. You've said it a couple of times, but when we use the idea of university, we're talking about the community of scholars and masters for mutual education, not the, you know, state university, Idaho, you know, uh, you know, university of Idaho or something like that. We're talking about whether it's a high school student or college age student, this community of scholars um, and and masters uh, together in dialogue for mutual education. So here's, you know, thinking of that, here's actually an area in which online education uh, clearly outperforms for almost everybody, uh, the brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is that online you can create campus life and you don't have to give up the family life. Interesting. Yeah. So one of the joys of campus life is accessibility, Mm -hmm. right? Or even bumping into each other, right? You're walking across the quad and there's professor so-and-so and and you've had this question, right? And then you end up, and maybe if you're a grad student, you end up going down to the pub to have a drink, (laughs) right? But, you know, and, and, but you get to have these, these conversations that sometimes are spontaneous, sometimes are planned, but they're easier because Everyone is right there. Right. Right. Uh, and to have that experience for a high schooler uh, requires what I 
think is too great a sacrifice for most families, right. which is, you know, something like a boarding school. Uh, right. Yeah. Huge uh, sacrifice. Yeah. But, you know, when, when, when it's online, you have that. Right. right. And it's not just in the form of an email. And I hope he gets back to me in, in a couple of days. Uh, but rather with, with using tools and platforms that actually kind of encourage presence, you know, professor so-and-so is often around on our whatever server, our Slack group or whatever on our, on our Google classrooms, live chat, whatever. And, you know, and then other students could come by and get involved in the conversation in spontaneous ways that, you know, you wouldn't, you would never see in a brick and mortar school. Right. Right. Everything is scheduled and you have to, you know, you have to show up for a certain time. Uh, but you do see on a good university campus. You make a really good point. So that isn't even available to most high school students um, at all. Um, and, and if you're just strictly homeschooling, you do have the family life, which we think is central and, and most important. But now you have actually, you know, your foot in both worlds, right? right. As a high school student. And, and I think it's really interesting um, the way we've talked about this before, but the way that we uh, assume schools should go because of the way that we've been, you know, trained to think, you know, this Russian model we've talked about that you go through kindergarten to, you know, to senior in high school, then you go off to college and, and you go through these, you know, these lockstep programs. Um, and when you look back at the university, a day's gone by, uh, somebody, now maybe this is an exception. I think Edward's graduated from Harvard at 17 or something yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, so you have these high school students engaged in this kind of life, but these were the the caliber of people who shaped the world and made a difference. These are the the kinds of people who established a new American, you know, country yeah. and a constitution. So, well, you know, I, that, that kind of brings up a, so in, in the Commonwealth in the mm -hmm. British Commonwealth, uh, the word college is used, quite differently. And, and, and you know, it can often cause confusion coming across the Atlantic. So, you know, a college can refer to a, a subset of the university. Right. Right. But mostly college means high school. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, you know, so in, in some way that actually points to how university used to be for younger people uh -huh. than, than what we design right now that we have the Prussian model when you're 18, that's when you go off to college, we <laughs> say, right. But I mean, most people will probably recognize when I say that in British people say to university right. or to uni, they right. Yep. You know, it's not college in their minds. And that's because so many high schools are just called colleges. And so 14 year olds are hungry for that collegial atmosphere and they're ready for it. Yes. They need it. It's, it's an important part uh, of their education. So collegiality, you know, should be, should be a priority as, as soon as, as your, your children are capable of having a cogent conversation. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I, and I think, I think that is the key, not thinking about the lockstep age, but knowing your child, when are they at that place? You know, uh, we used to always say that knowing a child's age, um, you know, uh, the only thing that tells us is when they were born. Right. <laughs> it tells us nothing about when they're ready for whatever, you know, step in, in their, you know, grammar to logic to rhetoric. Uh, it tells us nothing about that. So the parents, so the great thing is the parents know the children and get to know them. And so they know when they're ready for these, you know, cogent conversations. Right. Right. So one of the questions now, um, so we're thinking, okay, online can provide this sort of collegiate atmosphere. But one of the questions that often come up, 
um, that parents and and I'm, I have an answer you know that I want to give, but I want to hear what you have to say about okay. this. But isn't online dangerous? There's so many dangers out mm. there. I mean, there's predators online. There's all kinds. There's pornography. There's everything that a, a child could get involved in. Um, so getting them online and, and tech savvy, is that dangerous? Oh man, that's actually a huge, huge question. Uh, and, and I'll start by, by just reinforcing the idea that, um, you should look for established communities, yes. right? Right. So, you know, starting your own, going out and, you know, in pioneer mode does have a, a few more of those dangers, but really, uh, I think the bulk of the answer uh, is within your family culture and, and how you manage your household, um, these are real perils out there in, in, in the wild internet. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's, it's a, a struggle for parents to figure out when to give people access to certain, to their children access to certain, certain tools. Um, and, but that would be the case, whether you're educating online or not. Yes. Right. I think the, there are some families uh, that won't allow their children to go online at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and to whatever age that may be. Uh, and, and I think with those families, I, I couldn't really answer them directly. I mean, that's if, that, if that's what's best for their family, that, that's what's best for their family. And there are a lot of reasons that could be the case. Um, but the truth is, you know, like there's so much of our world has moved online. Uh, and un- unfortunately, the red light district is always next door. Well, and that was going to be partly my answer. Um, so I'm glad you said that is, you know, the entire world is R-rated whether it's online or in real life, yeah. right? So when they, when they, you know, if you go to a public high school, um, I, I worked with a guy who was a retired Air Force um, and he was a, a counselor. And basically, um, and, and I hope this isn't too graphic for our audience, but basically his answer was um, our whole goal is to keep them from selling drugs, killing each other and having sex in the quad, you know, and mm. basically if we can do that, um, then we've succeeded in the day. Wow. <laughs> and you think, you know, that's, you know, if, if you send your, your, your child off to a university or, you know, what we all know, you know, there's party universities and yes. all these things that are known for it. You're sending your child into that environment, whether high school or, or college, you're already sending them into a dangerous, you know, place. And, and so really it isn't whether it's online or in person, those right. dangers and perils exist, you know, that's in right. both places. Yeah. And so, you know, so, I, I would certainly not endorse, uh, you know, an educational life online um, as a sort of inoculation against evil. Right. Um, the, you know, that, that can be the, the, the primary motivator. But uh, what we should be aware of is that our children are around sin and temptation all the time. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> they they have their own impulses to sin all the time. And, uh, you know, of course, being exposed to some new sin is a real danger. Sure. Right. Or, you know, I wouldn't even have thought of that particular bit of <laughs> wickedness <laughs> until I saw someone else do it. Um, so, you know, we ha- we have to all be aware and we all have our own tools. And, you know, like you know, we have, a you know, my wife and I have a certain softwares that tell us, you know, where our kids are going, et cetera. But. Honestly, like, you know, I consider myself pretty savvy at no point have I thought I'm still pretty sure I can outwit them online, <laughs> but like, I, I can't have any safeguards set up that bank on that. Right. Right. Um, what I, what I have to trust in is God's grace in us raising our children. Well, right. And I think that, you know, coming back to the original thing you'd said in the hybrid idea that for a homeschool family who's usually online, 
what is the safest place for them to be able to use online tools and for families to be involved also in their online education. Yeah. We're not assuming at, at all when we think of, of parents, you know, putting their children online for education, that they're just leaving them to themselves, right? right. That's not the idea of online education. And it's important for us to, to, to think of the internet, uh, not as just, you know, some one vast place, okay. Um, with, uh, you know, it's just, you know, everyone's just in this big ocean and all floating around and bumping into each other. And it, no, it, it's not that. And so when I talked about, about communities that, that are established, I think it's important for us to think of the internet as a bunch of places right. connected to each other. So you actually go to places online, right? And it, so then let's actually give our kids places to go. Yes. Right. And one of those places to go may be just a place, the arcade, right? <laughs> it may be that you go to the arcade and that's great. Okay. These are the sites you use to go play games or, or whatever. Um, this is where you go to get your news or these are the places. Uh, it can be big, um, but what it shouldn't be is nebulous. Yes. Right. Uh, so you should know your town, you should know your neighborhoods and you should know uh, your internet. And if you think about your own internet usage, you know that you go to certain places. And some of the trap places are actually not the places where the sin is obvious, but they're the places that try to give you everything all at once, like Facebook. Yes. Right. Yep. So like, you know, in the Philippines, the internet is basically Facebook. There have been studies about that. No one uses anything else. Just everything is faith through Facebook. Um, and, you know, but we see a little bit of that in our own American culture. Right. And so it's probably not Facebook for kids. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like TikTok can kind of, you know, kind of lock you into certain loops, you know. So when you use something like that, you need to be very aware that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you to never, ever leave. So have your own places. And hey, Kepler can be one of those places. But, there, you know, there can be a bunch, you know, there can be a bunch of communities. Look for community. Look for conversation. And so, you know, you could sum up everything you said again intentionality, right? Yes. We're right. building intentional community and the internet, online education. These are tools to help build that community where students can have the mutual education, families are involved and, and really the best, uh, there's a sense in which the, the internet or the online education is giving us the best of both worlds. Yes. If we are intentional and we use it well. Now I can't help, but uh, you know, so you, you've distracted me a little bit with thinking about, <laughs> about, you know, online safety. Uh, so I can't help, but, but maybe give a bit of a tip. Uh, but you know, in you know, kind of working off this idea of thinking of real places, online mm -hmm. that the internet is a bunch of different places connected to each other and that those places have a character uh, a warning sign is if your kids ask to go online interesting as opposed to hey dad can i do, go do this specific thing right can i go play shogun 2 right okay. uh, can i go study for biology on this website Right. So this, so this is the difference between, hey, dad, can I go hang out with my friends downtown at midnight? <laughs> right, right. Versus, you know, can I go to Johnny's house and we're gonna, you know, exactly, uh, and you know Johnny's trampoline. mom. And yes, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, yep. exactly, exactly, right. Good. Sorry, I couldn't help but just throw in that. I know no, that's perfect. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> well, so just coming full circle as we wrap up this episode, you know, is online education the new side of the old university? Well, I think that's yet to be determined. But I do think online education offers us the opportunity if we're intentional and, and we're careful. 
it gives us the opportunity to really get that university, whether it's a high school student or a college age student, the university life mm-hmm. that builds the life of the mind if we're intentional and we use it wisely um, while everything else in brick and mortar, save for some you know, very specific uh, places who are being intentional, um, we don't see that happening out there anymore. So right. here's a place where we can build it. And I think you said earlier, it's time for Christians to start building that up. And, and here's a great place for us to do it and until we can build some brick and mortar. Yeah. So let me give my Kepler plug since you gave one a little earlier. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing to do is to have conversations with families. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, <laughs> uh, just email me. Let's talk about this. Let's, you know, when I say email me, email me so we can set up a Zoom call. And have an online face-to-face conversation. That's right. Yeah, let's just talk about this stuff. That's great. Well, thanks all. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you'll check us out at Kepler.education. So long, everybody.